partner with the Innovation Institute at the University of Pittsburgh, you're listening to Bending Steel. How's it hanging, everyone? Jesse Irwin here on another episode of Bending Steel, brought to you by the Innovation Institute at the University of Pittsburgh. If you didn't hear the deeper version of my voice say it before, welcome back. We have a great episode coming at you. Had a sit-down conversation with a cool, cool dude, Cyrus Basseri. He's a student at Pitt. He's getting ready to go all in on entrepreneurship, and to be quite honest, he's already done it. So I got the chance to sit down with him. Sean and I were able to pick his brain on a lot of different things, and uh, check it out. I didn't apply to Pitt because when I first started college, because I, I didn't want to go to Pitt. Like I was from, I'm from School Hill. So the last place I want to be is two minutes from my house, right? So, like, I wanted to get outside of that. So it sounds like you felt the same way about Rutgers, right? Like, everyone's going to Rutgers. You're right there. How far is your house from Rutgers? Um, I'm about an hour and a half from Rutgers. Okay, so it's a little farther than two minutes, but (laughs) a lot of people go there, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I remember reading through the the class newspaper that had all the colleges that all the graduates were going to, and it seemed like almost... A third of them were going to Rutgers, so I was, like, I was like, "That's everybody!" Like, That's I can't also I can't follow everybody, and oh, also my right. brother went to Rutgers, and he kind of gave me uh, a rundown on his experience there, yeah. and um, I kind of took away from that and thought that you know maybe I want something different from my college experience. Right, right. What does your brother do? So he's at NYU for dental school. So he he. <laughs> He took so he's not doing too well, I can hear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's he is very consumed in what he's doing, and uh, you know I have a lot of respect for the path that he's going through. And yeah. you know he's always so busy, he can't even you know have a conversation with me sometimes. You know I you know it's what you like. You end up being so consumed with your with your schoolwork. Yeah, and the idea of graduating and becoming a dentist that it's like the only thing you do. Yeah, it's so my my sister is in med school or she, now she's in a residency. Oh no way! Yeah, but it's the same thing. Like she, I try to call her. She's married. Her husband's the man, but we will. I'll try to call her, and she'll be like, "I'm studying," or like, "I'm working." I'll be like, "All right, I'll call you later on." Like at a a normal hour, someone would be at their house, <laughs> and she's still working at like eleven. And you're just like, "How do you do this?" Some people are just mm. they're they're designed in that way where they can be so like academic or like um science focused or just i don't know they dial in like Mm -hmm. that i feel like personally and i'm I'm more curious about you but like i i guess i find my personal drive is not in the assigned stuff but stuff that i discover on my own Mm -hmm. i don't know how do you feel you are like are you someone that can sit down and just churn it all out or are you someone that like you've got to discover the opportunity yourself Mm -hmm. yeah i could definitely relate to that um I, I'm definitely more of the type of person who, who wants to uh, discover the opportunities themselves and and kind of pursue it my own way, yeah. rather than following a you know a set of rules. Uh, I definitely respect people who decide to go to med school and become a physician. I think it's I think it's really commendable that you can you're like okay, I want to become this. You know, yeah. this is who I want to be. And you just work towards that for years and years and years, 
despite all the obstacles that come through your way that are either you know emotional or what what they financial yeah whatever financial whatever they, yeah. they may be and I think that's just fascinating that people uh, are willing to go through that um, but at the same time you're you kind of have to follow all these rules right you know it's it's I personally respect the person who didn't really follow any rules and created something on their own that ended up having an impact on a lot of people through their own creation right than the person who just followed the rules to get to a certain place yeah you know yeah I think uh, I and given like it's a you know it's not a set path to become a doctor but it's like a fairly set path right like you like you understand you're going into school for 10 more years than your friends. You yeah. understand... There isn't much mystery to it. There, but there's not much mystery to it. I feel like that's the difference, right? Like, that's the difference between an entrepreneurial spirit uh, and uh, the spirit of, like, going and achieving a very, like, a visible goal. Not an easy-to-reach goal, necessarily, but, like, just one that you can see, like, that's right there. Like, I can almost taste it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, I don't know what I could taste, but somehow that mystery-flavored airhead tastes pretty good, right? Like, I that's always been more desirable for me, and it sounds like that's the same for you. Do you did you recognize that early? Like, was that something you were, like, growing up, and you're like, yeah, dude, like, I'm not going to be a doctor? Like, or did you <laughs> – were you thinking about that before? Actually, I was. Um, my, my parents uh, – my parents were immigrants here. So they're they're from Iran. Yeah. And, um, you know, they always were supportive of, oh, you know, go to go become a physician or a dentist or, um, you know, something along the lines of that. So is that very much a cultural thing or is that just your parents trying to get you to do something safe? It definitely is a cultural thing. And I think a lot of uh, Middle Eastern parents um, support, you know, go be an engineer, go be a, a, a physician. And. Um, part of me also felt that, you know, I'm, you know, I, although like they might, they, they, you know, they're my parents, they know what's good for me. Right. Right. Part of me was telling me, you know, I should probably follow what I really want. Um, when did you recognize that? I recognized that actually, um, my first year at Pitt. So one of the, another reason why I came to Pitt besides you know the distance and, uh, Pitt being a great school was that they have a great program for the health fields. So I said, you know, if I want to pursue dentistry or, or medicine, this would be a great place for it. So I, I, I committed to being a neuroscience major. Yeah. I took Gen Chem and those courses. Um, and then I, I, you know, over this time, and even in high school, I had, I had this, this, this passion for, for building something and creating something and the idea of, um, you know, being able to start from nothing and create something that has value for people and can create an, a unique impact yeah, uh, was, was something that still, you know, that was like an itch of mine, you know, and I wasn't really filling that with taking, uh, taking, you know, Gen Chem and, and, and bio and all these classes. So there's a little bit of um, a, a, dis, a disconnection there. Is there one idea you have that drives that? Or, like, was there, was it just, like, the idea of being able to be, like, this is mine? You know, like, you can either, like, continue down that path and be a physician or be, or you can, 
I don't know. I guess like I'm wondering, is, was there something in particular that inspired you? Like, was there an invention you saw or was there an idea you had or was it just like I the Innovation Institute's right there? Like, mm-hmm. that looks really cool. Yeah. Um, That's not a plug for the innovation. I mean, it is, but it's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> for me, for me, there was uh, I feel like there was always this this feeling that I had, um, you know, in high school, I remember we were watching Shark Tank in this international this class called international business but it's funny because nothing about the course was international business it was yeah. more like you know um business plan 101 oh, okay. uh, kind of yeah. class and we would just watch shark tank and we did like a fake uh business plan shark tank's like the best class you can take <laughs> <laughs> that honestly that is where i was inspired i was like wow look at these people who decided to just pursue something and now they're here pitching in front of like these extremely powerful wealthy individuals um and it was was inspiring like and i remember after class i would go up to my my teacher and go hey like i have this idea what do you think about it you know and that ended up being a routine for me every day after class i would go to my teacher and say oh what do you think about this i'm you know uh, and i'd update her on like an app id or something like that and she goes, Cyrus, I don't have time. Go away. I have, she was a, a lacrosse coach. And she was like, I have lacrosse practice uh, to be at. I can't talk right now. What's well, like the most ridiculous idea you pitched to her? Uh, <laughs> okay, so I had an idea for an app where you could take a picture of a building or, or, or something significant, uh, a place uh, in the world, and... With that, once you take that image, you would get a response, which would be a description of what it was. Mm-hmm. So let's say you took a picture of the Cathedral of Learning, you'd get, you know, a Wikipedia, you know, right. blurge saying, oh, you know, Cathedral of Learning, Pittsburgh, you know, about its history and whatnot. And I thought that was really cool, you know, taking visual information and, and translating it to something that you can learn from. Yeah. But um, it's funny. I later learned that. Google, Google tried doing the same that. thing. Google goggles, and that was a, they they yeah. they failed with that. They yeah. said that there was no. And if you look it up, there's a little uh, description on Wikipedia that says um, they found out that there was no real use for it. The utility was low, you know. Um, and when you think about it, who really cares about, you know, if you were really interested, you could maybe search it or ask somebody. So. Right, I think that right there is where you lose it, right? Like, the ability to... Like, you could look at the Cathedral of Learning and take a picture, or you could walk 20 steps and, like, see the sign, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But 20 steps before, it's genius, right? Like, yeah. It's a cool concept. I mean, I used it... I took an architecture class recently, and, like, to identify certain buildings, I took pictures from the slides that my professor was, like, using, and I would put them into the Google search, and so it would come up and it'd be like, all right, that's the basilica, or that's right. the right. Like it's a sweet concept. Yeah. So, okay, that's if that's your dumbest idea, I think you're <laughs> on like a pretty good road there. Um, it's not so okay. So then you take this class. She says no to all of your ideas, or she doesn't have time. But you're still like, I want to do this. Right? Yeah. So where do you go from there? Um. So, um. That class was definitely like the starting point for me, and where that that fire inside me kind of kind of started. And I think uh, you know a lot of people are getting inspired by Shark Tank, um, but later on in college, uh, 
this idea that I had in high school carried on into co- into college, and I was like, oh, I, I you know, um, it was an app idea, and I was like, okay, how do I go about making this, you know? And I was like, okay, I need to find a talented programmer. So one day I was at Chipotle, and um, the modern day Starbucks, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was in Chipotle and I, I see this kid on his laptop and he's he's writing code. I go okay, so I approach him and I go, hey, are are you uh, an app developer? And um, he was like, yeah. And he he didn't give me too much inf- information. He was really shy. I think <laughs> that's the programmer. Uh... <laughs> yeah, the epitome. <laughs> right, right, right. Um. So, I'm like, oh, are you interested in pursuing a potential side project? Like, I have an idea. And he was like, yeah. And so. I was like, hey, let's let's meet up sometime, and I I, I want to pitch you this idea, and if you're interested, I'd, I'd love to work for you, work with you, you know. Um, and after we met later that week, we decided to pursue that project, and that was about a year long project that I pursued in college. Wow. And so, what can I ask? You, like, are you happy about that? Like the way that went? What did you learn from that? I guess that that you're taking forward. That was um, a crazy experience. Um, definitely super valuable for me. Um, the programmer who I worked with, his name is Nick Bordacos. He's a computer engineering student. Um, at Pitt. At Pitt, yeah. Uh, this last semester he was interning at, uh, or doing a co-op at IBM in San Francisco. Very talented uh, developer, and I'm, I was super fortunate to find him to work with because I've just learned so much just working with him. Yeah. Um, Do you just go to Chipotle all the time? Now? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But it's it's really cool how, like, you just meet those type of people just at random spots. And, you know, if I didn't approach him that day, that, you know, I wouldn't have made that connection. Right. And that experience wouldn't have happened. Um, so, um, yeah, I was super happy that I, I ended up pursuing that with him. But um, as many startups, you know, as many ideas for businesses start, um, we had several p- pivots and learned along the way. Um, and we started, we started pursuing this, this app and over time learned that there wasn't a market for it. So we stopped pursuing it. Hmm. So that, I mean, that'll happen. That, that, that happens all the time. I feel like a lot of times like people will pursue things and yeah, right. Like there's either not a market for it or I feel like Google comes out with a version of it or something like that. Like I know I have yeah. multiple friends who have come up with app ideas. They've pursued it and then proceed like uh, proceeded to watch a major co- like Facebook or Google mm. or any of the, the big companies just yeah. come out with. They had been doing it the whole time, too, yeah. and they had no idea. Something that's so, so, so key um, and definitely this was a great learning experience for me. And a lot of people who, who have these ideas and pursue them and learn from them and, and pivot or choose not to, um, is understanding the value of the consumer and putting the consumer first. A lot of people, they have this, they have this thinking of, um, of a product market fit. Like, okay, I'm gonna create a product. This is my thought of it. It's gonna you know, help the world, it's gonna be awesome. Um, it's gonna be designed this way, it's gonna be made this way. And then they go to the consumer and then they find out that they don't like it, you know, it doesn't, it's not useful for them. Right. You thought it was useful for them, but it's actually not. And it's, it can be super frustrating. You put, you know, people put in all this time towards creating something. They do sketches, they, 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 they create, you know, 
physical prototypes, you know, sometimes years are put in until they realize, wow, nobody wants this. Oh, and it's yeah. it's a, it's a, it's 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 um, eye opening, and um, you really have to look at that backwards. And ra- so, if you were imagining like, you know, product on the left side, in the middle you have marketing, and on the right you have the consumer. You know, and, and marketing is an arrow going from product to consumer. Um, you should be really thinking about that the reverse direction. Hmm. Think about the consumer. What do they want? And what can you make for them? Where's the market opportunity? And think about it in the reverse direction with that arrow also. What is the marketing that is going to appeal to them at that certain time, at that certain behavior, whoever that person is, um, that's going to make that sale happen? So um, it's, it's, it's almost uh, you know, the opposite of what you'd expect. You, know, you should be thinking about it in the in the opposite direction you know first first go to the consumer and then identify what needs to be made but at the same time staying true to your values because um, I think it's silly for companies to try to build something that they don't believe in you know, right. that, that their values aren't in line with right you've got to you've got to want to make the app or make the whatever it is happen yeah. just as much as the consumer wants it right i mean or would benefit from it Mm -hmm. right because i I think at a certain point you do lose you can lose people off your team that way you can i feel like that's the beginning of the end if you're not all still as on board as you were in the first place oh yeah that's that's so um that's so important and speaking of great ideas i just realized i didn't paper parking so i'm going to paper parking using the parking (laughs) app but yeah i mean it's huge right yeah um it's you know i'm a big believer that the why of your business and the, the, the inspiration behind your business should be the same why that you have as a person. Right. You know, your, your, your purpose should be very much in sync with the business's purpose. Right. Um, and when there is, um, when that, when there's no lining up of those two things, it ends up being frustrating for the, for the founders. Mm -hmm. And also, um, over time, you end up uh, not being passionate about the business that you're pursuing. Right. You know, if your if your why changes, if your if your inspiration changes over time, you're not going to be as passionate and full force and obsessed with with this with this business. And you know, to to start a, a successful business, you really have to be obsessed with it and consumed with it. Right. That's why you got into it in the first place. Yeah. So I. I guess my question is you go into business with someone who complements your skill set, right? You have a vision for what's going on or for the, the, the idea. And you get a programmer who can do the, you know, it's like the jobs to the was, right? Like, do you, would you have gone about it the same way? Like, do you think that sort of a duo is, um, is better than finding two people who are, uh, can c- continue to motivate each other, and and you can find a programmer, you know, to do stuff, or you can pay. But like finding it, you know, what what would you do differently? Would you do it the same way? And how do you think that type of a partnership compares to other mm-hmm. potential uh, ways to go about it? I mean, I'm I'm completely content with how things went, and I yeah. think um, the personality differences between myself and Nick um, are, are very we're we're, we're different enough 
that we weren't like the same people, you know. And I think having people with two different perspectives um, is very, very key and better than having two people who view the same problem the same way and view the same solution the same way. And um, having different skill sets, like absolutely, like, you know, what's the point of having another co-founder when you can do the same job yourself? Right. Maybe even better than him right, right, or right. her. Uh, but when you have someone with different skills um, that can add value to, to the business, um, that's something that you should absolutely look for. But beyond that, I think personality is also uh, very important. Um, you know, it's good for them to have, you know, if let's say you are, you're, you're creating a, a, a startup that, uh, that helps, uh, let's say it helps feed people uh, in Africa, for example. You know, if you're passionate about that, you shouldn't go into business with someone who isn't, you know, right. so their beliefs right. have to line up with your beliefs. Absolutely. But I think, right. Cause if it turns out they don't want to feed people in Africa, <laughs> then you've got them on the wrong end. They're, yeah. Right. They're not going to be passionate about it. They're, they're not, not going to work it. with, you know, blood, sweat and tears. You know, right. they're not going to be, um, as dedicated to the project. You know, it's, they're going to work. It, yeah. It's going to feel like work for them. And that's crazy. Know? That's what's crazy about college, right? Is because in college, you're you're not, I mean, unless you have funding to pay people. If you're doing a student organization, right, I mean, you're not paying people with money. You're paying them with motivation and with uh, just experience and opportunity. And that's a really, really good lesson because once you include money into it, yeah, you can pay people to get it. Right now, you have a resource that you know, it's a currency everybody can get around, but to continue, you have to continue to have that motivation or it just has to be there naturally. So you, once you start using money as currency and as opposed to something else, now you're expecting that experience, you know, that, that drive, that want, that passion about that project. And so the dynamic changes. And so as you go to create an app, right? I mean, you had, did, what was the funding situation like? What is was that? Were you were in Blast Furnace? Did you do that? I did do Blast Furnace. Right. Yeah. So, um, what's what's nice about apps? I mean, I mean, at, for so in the college situation, like nobody has money. Right. So like, right. You, know, so you have to has, motivate them with potential you know, opportunity or with immediate gratification. Absolutely. Right. So so it's either yeah, so it's either you know you have the intrinsic, you know, uh, love for for it. Or, and like motivation for it, or um, you see the value in the, in the long run. Like you, you know, and hopefully it's a combination of both that you're pursuing something that has a monetary, you know, um, or reward. Potential, and, right. You know, or... um, yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's probably the best approach, right? You, you I think I would take someone who was willing to stay up until 3 a.m. even if they didn't know programming or the you know as well as someone who did but was kind of kind of had a bedtime for that kind of thing right because that's that's the difference I mean, from my experience my experience is in media and production right so like you want people who are willing to and it, it's hard to find these people you want people who are willing to stay up all night and work on it if they need to mm-hmm. um, yeah, one one thing I've seen is uh, I feel like um, having like co CEOs doesn't always work out. That's something that I've seen, and I feel like having one CEO 
but obviously you know you have multiple co-founders but one person who who at the end of the day can is is the decision maker yeah has uh, i think those situations are more effective than those where you have two people who have equal power um because when you have two you know most of the time people who are entrepreneurial they have like a type a personality where they are go-getter and they have a vision and they want to pursue something and so like you have like an alpha personality when you have two people with like alpha personalities sometimes there's a lot of conflict i had two dogs it was it was a very similar (laughs) thing right where they they both want to just they want the royalty they want the crown yeah right now what if you have um, here's a position like what if you have three people i mean now you have a ton of ceos but you know what i'm saying (laughs) like like is that you can vote like you can find weight yeah is that just causing more issues um I mean, a lot. I feel like a lot of, um, and one of the one of the, we actually hired a third. Uh, we added a third member to our team. In what and, capacity? Um, to so he was our second programmer. Okay. So we kind of realized that we need more development power. Right. Um, and also he was he's a super smart uh, individual as well, and we definitely saw the value with him. Um, but we decided to implement like a, almost like a voting system. Where we had open discussion, you know, um, and communication is so 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 key, um, and often that's how a lot of like decisions were made with us. We kind of opened up a problem to discussion, right. and we were like, okay, what what do we all think about this? You know, and make sure you're honest and you have a decision towards it. Yeah, uh, and I think that kind of dynamic normally works. And sometimes it's like a two to one vote. Um, so that was the dynamic that ended up being in our group. I didn't like being, you know, especially when you're in a college situation where there's no money that's involved in terms of, you know, uh, you know, it's not like I was putting down $20,000 and neither of them were. Right. You know? uh, it's not, so I didn't really feel like I had the I was in the position to have that kind of power so having that um, voting system was actually very beneficial for us and something that everyone was satisfied with yeah yeah I feel like that's when when one person has the idea right and but they they want other people to buy in especially when it has zero dollars to it initially right like you have to you're either giving up equity or you're giving you have to but there's not just financial equity there is there's like like drive equity like passion equity right like how much of this is does it feel like it's yours too and i think that's like creative equity you know like there's all these different versions of like ownership and and contribution and i think when you're in a ceo role and given you guys divided this up amongst the three of you right so it was it was done very diplomatically um but when you start doing like a top-down effect you start having to make up for especially if you as a ceo you probably have to you have to make up for maybe a lack of um a lack of financial commitment with with other areas right because you want them to still they you never want them to feel like they're simply working for you you want them to feel like they're getting just as much or as close to as much out of it oh yeah absolutely i mean that's why it's co-founder and right right exactly (laughs) Yeah, yeah yeah so i mean you're do you see yourself staying in Pittsburgh? Like the Pitt entrepreneurship scene is definitely taking off. Pittsburgh, obviously, 
would you leave here or do you see this as a, a great playground to try stuff i think i think pittsburgh is a is a wonderful place for people to pursue businesses uh and you're just saying that you're just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you mean no, seriously that, i yeah. believe it um i believe it and i think the as you said uh the entrepreneurship and the the venture capital scene in pittsburgh is definitely growing and up and coming and there's a lot of events actually that are going on in pittsburgh that where you know there's a lot of passionate like-minded entrepreneurial people and you can go network with them and and potentially find investors and so all that all those resources are are here in pittsburgh and um i don't think they were here you know before i mean i i came to pittsburgh three years ago yeah um but coming here and seeing all those resources available uh make me confident that you know i don't need to go i don't need to be in new york i don't need to be back i don't need to go back home yeah. being in pittsburgh is actually a great uh a great city for people who want to uh start ventures and um like what's the benefit of pittsburgh over being in san francisco or being in new york or right i mean these are massive cities with you know not just more people but more more outlets more investors more like this is just more people willing to take chances i don't know is there a benefit to being in a smaller pond yeah yeah i think that's a great way to describe it um i think places like new york and san francisco are super saturated um, in a place like Pittsburgh, I think there's more opportunity. Uh, although there's not as many resources, I think there's more opportunity here. Hmm. I think there's you can find the people willing to invest in you, um, you know, here, uh, and it might be easier to get to get those investors interested. Yeah. Versus in, in another uh, city, um, I'm not saying that there's not enough, uh, you know, talented entrepreneurs here, but right. there's definitely. Um, the resources are definitely there, and I think a lot of it is untapped. You know. Yeah. What is the biggest thing you think you've taken away? So you've been into entrepreneurship for is it two years now? One like. Yeah, since I was since like my freshman year, I, I guess like was the first year. time I pursued. And you're venture. heading into your senior year right now. Yes. Yeah. So like, when you tell people, when people say like, you know, they, when they ask for advice, right? I feel like there's constant. That's the big thing. Is like. What can I do to be a better entrepreneur? What advice do you have for somebody starting into it? Is there one thing you go to? Like, do you have one thing in your mind you're always saying, right? You've said communication's key. You've said being diplomatic and splitting up. Like, what what is the one thing you, or it can be three things, but like, is there one that sticks out to you? Um, I would say there's not, I wouldn't say I have one piece of advice, but um, I think. It's. I think what I said, what I mentioned, what I touched on before is, is super, super important to to look at uh, product market fit in yeah. the right direction. Um, and uh, that's a I really think, good point. Yeah, and I I think I'd say the most important piece of advice I would say is to understand the value of of, of human behavior. You know, if you can understand what humans want, you understand business. Um, and, you know, having a good grasp on that will definitely take you very far. Um, you know, and part of that ties in with, with communication. If, you know, when you, when you 
deal with people yeah. you know how to do that um, and if you're if you're creating a product for people you better know how people work and the per, this particular customer profile that you're looking at um, understanding that is so 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 key um, and I think and the Innovation Institute really puts a huge focus on this on the on the value of customer discovery you know knowing that there's market that wants what you're making right. and that you can compete with what's out there yeah. you know um, and I think I see a lot of Pitt students trying to make things that there aren't markets for <laughs> you know they're they're creating things but no one really wants to use them. An unnecessary convenience. They're not scalable. Yeah. You know, like for example, you look at the Pit Mobile App Challenge. Um, you see apps that are just for like Pit students, like you know, uh, find a open outlet or desk at Hillman. You know, that's that's not scalable. That's not changing the world. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to think bigger. You know, hmm. think, you know, with you know, is is what I'm gonna make scalable. Well, so in that, is an idea like, and this is me playing devil's advocate, but like, is an idea like finding an open outlet somewhere? I mean, you could take that and take that to the 400, 4,000, how many universities were there? 4,000? Four, there's 4,200 4, universities. Four, right. So, like, you could take that to the other 4,199, right? Like, that's, so is that, when you say scalable, I guess, like, do you just mean, like, something that's immediately has a national a potential national presence or something that well i guess yeah because I, I see that as scalable but it's using local community to to build as like a building block right so it's it's like a local politician right like they don't immediately run for senate they run for city council then they run for mayor then they run for congress and then they run for governor and then they run for president you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i don't know i guess are there is it not possible in the with apps? I mean, I, I just gave a political <laughs> version, but is it possible? Is it not possible with apps? I mean, I think that's actually something that's super um, possible with apps because of the world we live in today. How everybody is on their phones. You know, I think I think, and that's one of the appeals of of making an app because you you, you know. You, see, you look around and you see everybody's on their phone. Everybody's looking down on their mobile device. You know, what if you were the person to create the app that their attention is on, you know? And it, that's, that's a really motivating idea. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, there is scalability with apps because there's no uh, location barrier, you know? Anyone from anywhere can can have access to right, it. Right, right. That's know? the beauty of the internet age. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you're you know a brick and mortar uh, coffee shop, you know scalability um, isn't really a, something that you can really do right. beyond your neighborhood. Like maybe you can open, you know, uh, for example, like Natural in in Lawrenceville is like this this rolled ice cream oh, shop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's in you know they're getting a ton of traffic, and you know they just opened up another. Um, I'm not sure what what town it's in, but uh, not too far away. Is it that good? <laughs> I haven't had it. It so is I don't pretty know. good. I oh, mean, wow. I think I don't think it. I don't think it reaches the hype, to be honest. Oh wow! But there is market opportunity right there. Like yeah, you 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 walk you walk outside that that place on a weekend night, and you see it's there's a huge line, you know. And you know you someone. Who, someone can open up one right across the street and with zero advertising can steal business from them. 
know. But um, back to our point, uh, when you're brick and mortar like that, you don't have much scalability. But you can definitely end up with a highly profitable business. Hmm. Um, so, but scalability is super exciting, especially for an investor. They want to say they want to know that you know this is a business that that's um, that's bottom line is going to you know double in the next few years. You right. know, they want to see growth. They want to you know. So you have to, um, you know, when you when your interest is in in getting a, the most market share you can possibly get, yeah, scalability is key, and that's why e-commerce and apps I think are are really hot right now. Uh, e-commerce is amazing because you can sell to consumers all over the world, and you could just ship it to them, <laughs> you know. And if your marketing is good online, and you know where to find your consumer. And you can create that marketing that right. is going to pull them in. Uh, you can you can end up you know doing a great job and and competing with whoever's whoever's uh, you know out there right now. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. You're involved with I, you're involved with so much stuff. So you're involved. You you founded Sigma. Is it Sigma Beta Pi? Or? Sigma Eta Pi. Eta Pi. I thought that was a typo, Sean. That wasn't a typo. I was wrong. I thought it said beta, but oh. it, it was a, it was eta. Okay, sigma eta pi, which is it's an entrepreneurship fraternity, right? So like, yes, it's one of the first chapters in, not just in Pittsburgh. Or first, like, it's the it's the first East Coast chapter. Oh my god! Uh, so it's it was founded seven years ago, at uh, UCLA, uh-huh. um, and it now has chapters at Stanford, Berkeley, USC, and UC Santa Barbara, and uh, now we just got. Now we're um, a colony in Pittsburgh, and I think UPenn is also getting started. Um, but they're trying to establish um, a presence beyond just the West Coast. It's a really cool concept. Yeah, and it's 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 um, it's something that uh, I've I've been involved in for like almost the last year. I, I remember just one day I was on the, I was looking up like entrepreneurship organizations at at colleges, and I ran across them, and I yeah. sent them an email. I was like. Are you guys interested in getting started at Pitt? I started selling the value of Pittsburgh and how, what what resources are available and whatnot, and they got back to me. And before you know it, we were we were starting this organization, and I I started holding interviews. <laughs> I started advertising, and I had about forty people come in for interviews. From that forty, I cut that down to twenty one, and with that twenty one. Um, they were reevaluated by UCLA, the national chapter, and that got cut down to about sixteen. So your sixteen so, pledge class of sixteen. Pledge class of sixteen, which um, which is now smaller because as a you know the first chapter of a pledge class, you know, is going to dwindle down to a couple members. How do you haze them? Do you make them like make like a corny Kickstarter video or something <laughs> like that? Like, what is, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's, it's crazy. So now you've got a group of guys and girls who are just like, they're all in on entrepreneurship. Right? Yeah. People who are, yeah, plus the connections on the West coast. On the West coast. Yeah. It's amazing. We, uh, we, we voice, we, um, video chatted with, with, uh, people working at Postmates and, and Tinder and like other companies. It's really cool. Yeah. Like that, that we're able to, you know, uh, in the last seven years, the brothers and alumni have raised over a hundred million dollars for their ventures. 
So it's super impressive, and just being affiliated with that 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 group of people is is awesome, you know. Yeah. So I definitely jumped on that opportunity, and um, and uh, yeah, like it. Part part of me, part of the reason why I decided to start it was because I noticed that there was this this missing feeling of community at Pitt for entrepreneurship amongst students. Well, entrepreneurship is so independent as it is that everybody just wants to be on their own. So they don't think like, oh, I'm going to join like a group of people who like right. want to do it, right? The yeah, Innovation I mean, Institute is the version of that, mm-hmm. but it's... Yeah, as I said, a lot of entrepreneurs are yeah. very type A. They, you know, they they don't want to really talk about their their business. Yeah. Right? Um, but it's, it's, it's really cool when you surround yourself with all these like-minded people. You know, it's, yeah. it gets, it's like a super exciting community. And I thought there'd be a lot of value when you put this group of people who have these same ideas together and these same beliefs. Um, and I think, you know, about around a topic that's so exciting um, and also be able to have them give feedback to one another. Right. You know, and almost use our group as a. Uh, it's like an advising group. It's like a board of advisors for every member. It's. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's it's a genius concept. That's entrepreneurship as it is. I'm sure <laughs> we treated it. We treated yeah. it like it was a startup. You know? Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's, you know, we're we're founding an organization. You know, we. You know, there has been organization. There has there they were started at other schools and they didn't end up being accepted by the national fraternity because the members weren't that interested or dedicated and, or passionate. Um, I'm glad Pitt met the standard. It's yeah. a pretty high yeah. high bar with those schools. But yeah. It's pretty so, cool. so the Innovation Institute and um, Pitt is definitely benefiting from this organization. You know, if, 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 if it is the case that, you know, this organization helps startups come out of Pitt and at a small scale boost the Pittsburgh economy. Yeah, and you should get one percent equity on every single project. That Absolutely, comes out. Absolutely. <laughs> dude, that's crazy. You're also involved. You're on the emerging leaders board for the Pitt Venture Capital Associate. I'm just like reading this email from you with like everything you did. You did Blast Furnace, and all this stuff, dude. That's it's quite a life you're living right now. How do your parents feel about it? Um, my parents. So <laughs> why aren't you a dentist? <laughs> right. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Um. My parents are, they're, they're definitely, um, you know, me, me making the decision to not pursue med or dental after, you know, them, after, you know, them thinking that I picked Pitt because of that was kind of a big shock to them. And now they're like worried, they're like, what are you going to do? Like, okay, like, you know, um, you know, you're gonna have to find a job right after you graduate. And, yeah. um, you know, they're a little bit worried for me and but they see what I'm involved in, and um, and I, I try to tell them, you know, I'm you know I'm involved here, I'm, I'm pursuing these things, and you know they they kind of just want me to focus on the ac- academics and getting good grades, which is super important. Um, but I personally find a lot of value in in the things you can do outside the classroom. You're you're. Dude, you're preaching the, like, dude. That's I mean, that's my thing. I was, I was not a great student, not because I didn't care. I learned everything I wanted to learn in my classes, um, but I ultimately found that the stuff I was learning about was 
the stuff I was cre- the opportunities I was creating for myself, the doors I was opening outside of class, and like that's why I love Pitt. Like I will, I will never look at Pitt and think about my classes first. Um, mm, it's more like the experiences that you've had here, the people you've met. Oh my god, dude, know. that's my thing, right? Pitt doesn't. I I always say I say this way too much. Pitt doesn't. Pitt didn't change who I am. It just surrounded me with people who made me like comfortable enough to like become who I truly am uh and i think that's that's the best part right you get people who like bring out the best in you you walk into a chipotle you see a guy doing something without even realizing it he changes your life and probably you know and always for the better right like it's it's pretty neat so that, that's awesome dude and congratulations on not being a physician <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome do you have anything else you want to plug sean do you have any questions for him no <laughs> you look so content over there <laughs> studying what are you studying Oh, so you're into the class thing. No. I'm oh, not. no. This oh. is just to get the piece of paper. Oh, okay. Fair That's enough. All right. If, if Sean's professor is listening, he, he cares a lot. Us. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks Appreciate for having me. It. Bending Steel is brought to you by the Innovation Institute at the University of Pittsburgh and is produced by Sean O'Brien and me, Jesse Irwin. For more episodes or info, you can find the Innovation Institute on Facebook, Twitter, or at innovation.pit.edu.